Hello and welcome to Design Wake Up, the podcast where we meet every two weeks to talk about design, innovation, management and actually anything that we're interested in. We're your hosts, Simon and Sam. (laughs) That was a a fairly uncertain introduction, but it was better than my attempt. So we'll go with that. So what are we talking about this week, Sam? So this week, I think we were going to talk about something called a black mirror test. This is one of your ideas, so you should really be introducing it. As with all of my ideas, it's stolen. This time from the product (laughs) experience. They're a great podcast, actually. It's unlikely that you don't know about them. But if you don't know about them, head on over to wherever you listen to podcasts and look up the product experience. They're really good. And hopefully they won't be angry with us for referencing them if we give them a good advert. So about two years ago, the product experience talked to Roshi Proven about a concept that she introduced called the Black Mirror Test. Basically, it was a kind of thought experiment where you would take a product that you were working on, or you didn't necessarily have to be working on it, but a product that you were going to run this test on, and you had to think up the absolute most disgusting, horrible, evil things that somebody might do with that product. And we thought that it was quite interesting using that sort of test to really explore how ethical your product is. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Sam. You, you're an expert in ethics, as Marco always tells us. Please don't. What, what's your take on it? I think, well, I think firstly it would be good for those people that, that don't know what Black Mirror is, because I'm sure there are people that haven't watched it. But it's a British series um, created by uh, Charlie Brooker, where the main character is technology. And each episode is like a standalone episode. So each episode is different. And on a different topic, but it's always somewhere around technology. And I think what the directors are trying to do, the producers are trying to do is show us where technology can take us, but show us that more darker side of technology. It's a really good series. So really think you should watch it if you haven't. Yeah. So when it comes to to ethics and it's a recurring theme recently, and I'm wondering if it's because I'm on the podcast, (laughs) but it's something that I'm, as you know, very passionate about. So I think it's a really good test and I was really interested uh, in Roche's take on it. And it reminded me a little bit about when I was doing the design thinking course, one of the things that we had to do was a concept poster. And straight away when I was listening to that uh, episode, I thought, oh, you know, like usually in design thinking, when you make a concept poster, it's about, it's supposed to be like the marketing strategy. It's supposed to be, how would you market this product in a good way? What about if the if the newspaper article that is written about your product is like the worst that you can imagine, talking about how unethical it is, using users' data or something like that. What got you interested in the episode? Because as I said, this was kind of your idea. So what was it that that got you you interested in it? I think there were two elements that really piqued my interests. The first was that it's just kind of a cool thing to do. It's a cool thought experiment. And it's not something that as a designer you're you're used to doing. Um, I think it's easy to fall into a trap when you're working on a product or a design of falling in love with your concept. And that can happen really on in a design process. Like I remember countless meetings or briefs or even when I was back at university when we've been given a beginning of term 
project to work on where I've come up with an idea during the introduction, like during the kickoff meeting, and really holding on to that idea without thinking about it critically enough. So the idea of there being this step within the design process where you're forced to think about it really critically, that was just quite unusual and fascinating for me. The other part of it that I found interesting was when she was talking about potentially having it as part of the product design process. So you often think about metrics that you want to move to prove that your product is performing well, like conversion rates and OKRs and that sort of thing. But during the episode, they talk about the concept of having an an anti-conversion rate or an anti-OKR. I can't remember how they worded it. During the product design process, if you can see that there are signals from your product analysis tools that suggest that something negative may be happening with your product what do you do in those circumstances is there a way that you can mitigate that or get ahead of it and try and stop it happening i mean you definitely should try well that's that's the interesting thing do you think you should and that's kind of like the ethical question here i suppose for me at least whose responsibility is it to not misuse a product and like I, i was kind of thinking about this from the perspective of car manufacturers obviously a car is a product that's meant to get you from A to B. But it could be used as a weapon in the wrong hands. And in such scenarios, whose responsibility is it? Can a car company get taken to court? So we want to go down this route. It's a little bit dark. Well, I think that is the thing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it is. You could hurt somebody with a hammer, but is it the hammer company's responsibility if their product, which is meant for hitting nails is used for hitting a person. And you could go way down that line of thought and think about gun companies. I guess a lot of gun companies would say that their product is meant to keep peace and is for defense purposes. But I don't think I need to expand upon that too much. (laughs) We know what happens with guns. But the interesting thing there is that uh, whose responsibility is it to ensure that guns are used correctly? And I was thinking about this and sort of had a bit of a Google around and found a website that's talking about an act that was passed by Congress in the US in 2005, which basically permits immunity to gun companies for acts that carried out with the guns under most circumstances. Um, I can read out a summary of this. In 2005, Congress passed the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, a federal statute which provides broad immunity to gun manufacturers and dealers in federal and state court. Generally speaking, this act prohibits qualified civil liability actions which are defined as civil or administrative proceedings for relief resulting of criminal or unlawful misuse of firearms or ammunition. So basically, in short, what that's saying is that guns don't kill people. Rappers do, to paraphrase. (laughs) Goldie-looking chain. You know what I mean? It's the person with the gun that's responsible for the killing, not the product itself. So when we start thinking about, like, are we uh, as product designers responsible for for how our products are used? I think it's easy to have a a knee-jerk reaction, but I don't know, is there a double standard there? Are we responsible for what people do with our product? The question that I, I'm going to ask a question answering your question a little bit is, um, is that to do with products that are already there? So we've had hammers for ages, right? I guess the people, when they designed the hammer, their focus was we need to get that nail in that piece of wood. 
they weren't really focusing on what other things might happen with it. So is this a conversation about new products that we now, knowing that there, there is maliciousness, that people can use products in a bad way, should we be trying to future-proof them? So I guess that's one question. And then my second take is, are we talking about how the users use the product or how the companies use the product? So when I think about ethics, I think there's a lot of different doorways that we have to go through. So we've got the the users, we've got the, the, the developers, and then we've got the company. So when we talk about user data, for instance, you know, when it comes to collecting user data for you know, for a product, it's future-proofing that in a way so that when you collect the data, it isn't used to, I don't know, create a racial profile or any kind of discrimination when you use it. So I think there are there are products that we can safeguard and you're absolutely right. You know, any any card that's created in the future, it can be used to kill people. But are there products that we can design and future-proof them in a way that they can't do wrong. It's like, you know, with cigarettes, right? We all know they're bad for us. Governments know they're bad for us, but they're not they're not pushing through any legislation for us to stop it because actually they're making money off of it. And actually, if more of us die of cancer, just less of us. I don't know. It's just, I think, I think it's going to be very hard to retract and change something that's already there and that we're already used to. That doesn't mean that we can't try and future-proof the products, the new products that we create. Does that make sense? <laughs> And I think it is up to the companies to do what they can to future-proof the product. And, I, and yes, absolutely, users should be consciously making decisions, but very often they aren't able to make conscious decisions because they don't know certain things. They don't have all of the data and they can't make a decision because they're being lied to. We all know about fake news. We all know about the smoking posters that were saying smoke in front of your child because they'll sleep better or whatever. And I think, I think it, it should be up to us and we shouldn't put it on the user to flag any ethical misuse. I think it is up to companies to implement interventions like the black mirror test, which is definitely something I'm going to try and uh, implement in my company that can help with future proofing a product. So it is ethical. So is it as easy? Is it as simple as that? I mean, it never is simple because even following the design process, the design thinking process, is hard every time, every time you do a product. So even if I actually stumbled, and I'll put the link in, in the description, but I stumbled on this on this graph, which is a digital ethics compass. And, you know, it's a, it's a really good attempt to create a tool for you to be able to check whether your product is ethical and through asking certain questions about the product, you can, can kind of count or, I don't know, in some way check whether your product is ethical or not but if you start scrolling down in the comments you can already find people that are like oh what about this what about this so i think because there isn't a process mm. to follow i think it is quite hard at the moment and it's very subjective as well it is subjective and i think roshi also added it's really good to get someone from outside the company outside the product team to come in and objectively look at the product and maybe even ask them to come go through some kind of a black mirror test or some kind of process, an ethical process where they can come in and very objectively, you know, they're not wedded to the project. They they, they just 
can come in and say what they think. So this line of thought is reminding me of something that we talked about in the last episode about whether humans or people with subjective views can be responsible for... I really like where you're going with this, so please finish. Because <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Can it be left up to humans or people with subjective views to not have biases? What is the point I'm trying to make? You know, even if you have a process, because people do have unconscious bias, it's going to be hard for them to be objective. Even if you're bringing someone that's not wedded to a product or whatever, that's one person, they will have unconscious bias. So it's going to be very hard for them to have a very objective view and foresee what can happen. Because so there was this thing about Snapchat where they created maps and um, what they did was they set as default that when that everyone was uh, available on the map and you could see everyone at any point. And it was only when you went in and switched off the default. And they didn't even think about the fact that maybe someone would start stalking another person because they'd never lived through something like that. How can how can any one person really foresee what can happen to people from other groups? Definitely, that's an element of it. I think also there's kind of the scale of ethics what is ethical by one person's standards might not be ethical by another person's standards there's politics coming into it as well um so the first time i ever heard of parlor and if you don't know parlor touted themselves as a kind of twitter a platform for voicing your opinions that was completely unbiased and unmoderated the platform for free speech i think they called it. And taking them on their word, if you just say, okay, sure, you just want free speech, you're gonna find you're not gonna find many people that would say that free speech is a bad thing in our society. But it's not as simple as that. And I think the parlor case shows that when you get a group of people onto a platform, it can get out of hand and it can become a destination for people with unsavory views. And if you don't know anything about Parler, basically they've been banned on a load of different services. Apple have banned them, Amazon have banned them. Parler has become the place where you go if you have unsavory views. If it was a platform for free speech and people that had unsavory views were balanced with people that had an opposing view and there was a legitimate conversation there and people talked through their differences and... It was more of a place for debate and conversation. That would be one thing. But the fact that there's overwhelmingly unsavory views there means that people with opposing views, they just know to stay away. And it has become an echo chamber of nastiness. If you were to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume that the founders of Parler just wanted a place for conversation and debate, would your idea even get off the ground? Because it's not hard to think up a Black Mirror scenario where what has happened might happen. I think it's a really good case, a little bit like digitizing Hyde Park Corner. Um, and I absolutely agree that, you know, those kind of places usually um, attract people of a certain type and you get that kind of bigger percentage of people that are just there just to kind of mouth their opinions that are not always nice and are very unsavory. And I think a company like Parler would... I always think that when people 
start designing a product and have an idea, they're not thinking maliciously. I think people usually start off believing in the product and wanting to do good. Not always, but I think, you know, in the in the kind of digital services that we use and, and we know about, I think, I think predominantly it is people that just want to do good in the world. They just don't have the kind of interventions that are needed to safeguard the user and to future-proof the product. So I think I've spoken about ethical principles that could be implemented. You know, we've got this black mirror test that could be implemented. I think there are certain things that we could do just to make sure that we are doing all we can to safeguard the user. It will never be 100%. You'll never foresee everything because we all know chaos theory and we know that it's impossible to to know what's out there and 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 be able to 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 future proof everything 100%. But I think that if we try and do what's best and we have those interventions in place through the product life cycle and we do leave opportunities to make it better and iterate the design even after go live i think that's all we can really do and i think when you talk about it like that it does highlight that it just makes perfect sense like when we were talking last week about having ethical guidelines in place for your product and you were talking about oh that's going to stifle creativity and i think one of the people commented on the video about that as a designer, I kind of agree that it does sound like a pain in the neck, like having to follow more guidelines. But as a product person, it just makes perfect sense, not just from an ethical standpoint, but from a product and business standpoint. Like if there's a math massive ethical problem with the thing that you put out into the world, if you put out a product that gets abused and misused by people that you don't want to be associated with and that could have been preempted with a black mirror test why wouldn't you do it i mean we put in place conversion rate goals for common user flows on our website and we look at how well those conversion rates are performing and we tweak our products based on that if you created a set of negative conversion rates you could do the same thing, but this time safeguarding your brand and the opinion people have of your product. It does feel like this could be a useful tool in a product manager's toolkit. I absolutely agree. And maybe even implementing something like evaluation after six months or a year, something that could bring us all back and just make sure that what we set out to do is actually what's happening and is there anything else that we need to be doing to be more human in that, make the product more eth ethical? I think that's an interesting use of words there. I think that may be like what we need to face, being human. I don't think we could create a set of preemptive guidelines that will always cover all scenarios. And at the end of the day, most products are built by humans for humans. And it's up to the team that builds that product to decide whether or not they feel that they should put in place restrictions to stop their product being used in the way that they don't want. And and I think, you know, to be human is to err, but I think if we learn from our mistakes or if we learn what hasn't worked exactly as it should, 
and iterate and change it and update it in a you know transparent way our users will only thank us and will probably think oh this is a great tool a great product with a great team behind it i'm going to carry on using it in short it's really interesting and something that i think i'd like to do more of how about you sam can you see yourself running a black mirror test anytime soon Absolutely. Even if I don't get to do it like officially for a product or something, I'm definitely going to trial it out with a thought up kind of thing with my team because I just think it's something. It's just a very interesting thought experiment and I cannot wait to try it out. Yeah, definitely. I'd really like to kind of follow it through and work out from a product team perspective what sort of safeguards you could put in place for your product and the sort of things that you'd want to measure to make sure that it's not being used in a bad way. But anyway, I think that's, we've spoken a lot about that. We've exhausted the subject. Let's wrap it up. People don't want to hear us wittering on. Where can, where can people hear us? Uh, you can find us on Instagram design.wakeup on twitter design underscore wake up. Uh, we've also got a website designwakeup.com. And where can people see us? On YouTube. We've got our own YouTube channel where you can see all of our videos and our lovely faces and the hideous background. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, so if you're listening to us now and you want to know what we look like, head on over to YouTube. Oh, and don't forget that we've got a LinkedIn as well if you want a little bit more content. Okay, I think that's the end of that episode. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next week. Thanks, Simon. <laughs>